Exodus chapter 22, we'll read verses 7 through 15. And this will be concluding the, the restitution um, series that we've seen here, the, the foreend of Exodus 22. Um, let, read along with me here, Exodus chapter 22, verses 7 through 15. If a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep, and it should be stolen out of the man's house. If the thief be found, let him pay double. If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether he hath put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, whether he is indeed the thief. For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing. So anything, anything which another challengeth to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep, and it die or be hurt or driven away, no man seeing it, there's not a witness, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both, that he, that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, or that he hasn't stolen off his neighbor. And the owner of it shall accept thereof, and he shall not make it good, or it shall be even. And if it be stolen from him, he shall make restitution unto the owner thereof. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for witness, and he shall not make good that which is torn. And if a man borrow aught of his neighbor, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it. So you lend somebody something, and you're not with it. He shall surely make it good. The person who lent it, who, who hurt it or, or whatever, he shall make it good or restore, make payment for the loss. But if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. If it be an hired thing, it came for his hire. So if it were, were brought to, to use and, and to if you if you hired out an ox to plow a field and the ox died uh, plowing the field, well, that was the cost of his hire. So there's a lot of ideas, but they're all wound in together here. It's, and, I, and I believe that under the, under the title reasonable protection, reasonable protection, that all of these items here are covered. So before we get into this, a reminder of a few things. Exodus chapter 21, verse 1. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. This is God's word. This is God's law that he had given unto the children of Israel. In Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, and this is we've read this many times. We'll read it again. Matthew chapter 22 and verses 37 through 40, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. So the section we just read is summarized in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Loving God and loving your neighbor. In the book of Romans, we saw in Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So these things, 
in their truest application would be would be physically and literally performed, but only in a can only be done in a spiritual way. Chapter eight, verse one. Romans chapter eight, verse one. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if the law is spiritual, walking after the spirit, one will fulfill the law. Keep reading. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, no one of themselves can obey God's law. That's right. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Those that are born again walking in the spirit would fulfill the law. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Why did Jesus why did God send his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemning condemned sin in the flesh? Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So if the law is spiritual and we walk in the righteousness of the law in the spirit, then we'd be fulfilling those things that are right according to the law. Philippians chapter 2. Again, we're looking at spiritual things. So reasonable protection. The idea of reasonable protection spiritually apply. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If there, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, if there's a love for God and love for your neighbor. Before ye my joy, that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Love God, love your neighbor. Reasonable, reasonable protection. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If he was just con he was concerned, he, he had his mind toward others and the things of others. In fulfilling the law of God and fulfilling the will of God, he had his mind on my needs and the things concerning me. For the glory of God. Spiritually, reasonable protection. Head back to our text there in Exodus chapter 22. Verses 7 through 9 deal with things that are borrowed and stolen. Well, borrowed or kept, either, either, at either case, again, verses 7 through 9, if a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff to keep. So let somebody hold something, let somebody borrow something. Here, keep this for a moment, keep this for a while, and it be stolen out of the man's house. If there be a thief found, let him pay double. If the thief be not found, then the master of the house shall be brought unto the judges to see whether the, he, the, the holder of those things, hath put his hand to his neighbor's goods, whether he be the thief. For all manner of trespass, whether it be ox or ass, sheep, uh, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing, which another challengeth to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. So something that is borrowed or held or kept for someone else, being held 
in a form of kindness, whether the person lending out of kindness or the person holding out of kindness. Hey, I'm going to be away. Can you watch my house for me? You're in possession of my house. Here's the key. Holding someone else's property for a period of time. Kindness from one to another. Here, there is no problem with someone delivering their stuff one to another. The problem comes whenever there's thieving going on, when there's stealing going on, which is a violation of the command. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15, thou shalt not steal. Also in stealing, you'd be breaking the, the, the tenth commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So in violation of that command, theft is at hand. Okay. So reasonable protection. If a thief is found, he pays double, and that's consistent with what we've already learned. He would, he would pay back and also pay again the, the amount that was owed. And if the thief was not found, they'd take it before the judges. Something's not right here, okay? Whether, whether there's evidence of foul play or not foul play, we, we have to understand what happened. Was there reasonable protection? This is to find out if there'd be any foul play or if there's any lying or conspiracy of theft. Whether or not the, the owner, the one that borrowed, had left the gate open so another thief could come and, and, then, and then they join in in that theft together. Whatever the case, they're finding, here's a man that's responsible for another man's goods. Okay, So you see in verses 7, 8, and 9, there, there is guilt under the law, and there is restitution or repayment for loss under the law. And also in verse 9, it says, bring him before the judges, and whom the judges shall condemn. So if there's theft, then there is one that is condemned. There is one that has broken the law, you see. So what's the answer to this? To love one's neighbor, right? To love one's neighbor calls for caring for their substance as well as their well-being. If I, if I have charge over your things or you have charge over mine, for your love, for you to love me, you would also protect the things that you have care of on my behalf. If I lend you my car, you would take care of it, or you should, right? Reasonably, you would lock the door so nobody else would take it. Reasonably. That's a reasonable protection. It would be the obligation then of that one who in verse 7, if a man shall deliver unto his neighbor money or stuff, if somebody delivers something unto you, it's a reasonable protection that you would take, or a reasonable measure that you'd want to protect it, preserve it, and present it back to your neighbor, whether it's goods or money or stuff or anything. And it would be holy and right and good and godly to protect, preserve, and present back if someone has lent or given you anything. That just, that just makes sound sense. We're not, we're not learning anything new there. It would be a prevention also of theft because it's the natural tendency for man to covet. And woman, human being, it's the natural tendency to covet. So here, it actually encourages then for people to watch over other people's things. And it discourages away from theft. It encourages one to love the Lord. It discourages uh, one to, to, to violate God's command. It encourages love toward God. It encourages love toward neighbor. It discourages sin against God and neighbor. You see that, this, that all these things are spiritual. It ought, to be, it ought to be super easy for us to comprehend these things. Verses 10 and 11 
It speaks of if something, a living animal were to be dead or hurt or driven away or, or, or to get out, right? Okay, so read verses 10 and 11. If a man deliver unto his neighbor an ass or an ox or a sheep or any beast, a dog, a cat, a box of worms, okay, to keep, and it die or be hurt or driven away and no man seeing it, there's no witness, you go out, you, you go out to see your cattle, and you've got all your cattle, and they're all branded, and you've got some out there that are your neighbors, and they have their own brand. And there's one of your, your neighbor's cows branded, wearing their brand, laying on the ground, and it's dead. Sick, or maybe it's hurt, it got his leg broke. Maybe you can't find it at all, it just wandered off. Nobody knows where it is. Okay, there's, there's, there's no, there's no uh, witness to it all. Verse 11. Then shall an oath of the Lord be between them both, that he hath not put his hand unto his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept thereof, and he shall not make it good. So an animal is an animal. An animal is an animal. We understand that. In the possession of a neighbor, and something happens to it, whether it gets hurt or dead or, or runs away, nobody sees it. The oath here is by command. You know, sometimes we can say, you know what, we shouldn't be taking oaths and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be uh, uh, making pledges and swearing and that kind of stuff. Well, it says here, then, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them. There's a command to take an oath here because you're dealing with, with items. And, and so they would have to then take an oath or, or take a testimony among themselves, whether they be guilty or no. In the book of Numbers... If you turn there. Now, it's no light thing. I'm not saying that an oath is a light thing, but it is a commanded thing. In Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 and 2, And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, if he swears, Hey, look, your animal was sick, or it's, it's hurt, or it's dead, or it went missing, and I know nothing about it. It is an oath and a bond before God. Now, it's between the two men, but it's before God. He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. Why? Because that vow is unto the Lord. Look back at the text. Exodus chapter 22. Verse 11, then shall an oath of the Lord be between them. So, Brother Adam lends me his dog, and something happens to that dog, then I would oath before God. I don't know what happened. I, don't, I didn't see it. I, I have no idea. I don't know how it died. I don't know how it got hurt. I don't know where it went. I have no idea. If I left the door wide open, then I tell him, I left the door wide open. That's my fault. If I literally have no idea, then, then, I, then oath would be that bond between them. Then oath between them. Oaths are biblical, as we see here, and oaths are of great importance. And, and it's no light thing. They're very serious. But remember where they are. For us to say, yes, an oath before the Lord, that means something to us. But remember where they literally were. Exodus chapter 19, when they're hearing these words, Exodus chapter 19, verse 17 says, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. 
And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke before the Lord descended upon it in fire, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. Read on in chapter 20, verses 18 through 20. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. So when they're told then to make an oath before the Lord, they were to do so with the fear of God before their faces, and they would not sin against God in their oath. I don't, I truly know not what happened. With this in mind, keeping reasonable protection over someone's thing, it would be reasonable if one, if Brother Adam delivered his dog unto me, that I would do my best effort, effort to keep it, that it would not die, that it would not be hurt, and that it would not escape and run away. I would do my best effort before God and man to love God and to love my neighbor and reasonably protect that thing that I have, the responsibility of. It's reasonable. So then, one making an oath in such a thing, because it was such a sobering thing, such a such such a a a, a terribly awesome responsibility to make an oath. If someone made such an oath, see it says the owner of it shall accept thereof. If someone were brazen and brash enough to oath before God, I know not how this thing died, was injured, or was let go, and had had no part in it. No, I did not put my hand to my neighbor's goods. I had no part in it. Then it would be the responsibility of the owner to accept it. Now think about the love that this involves. Think about the love that this involves. There, you know, it's easy to hold blame and grudge and, and hostility toward one another. But if someone says an oath before God and said that, you know what, I... I don't know, then they were by the law and command of God to accept it, to say, yes, okay. And the next verse, and he shall not make it good, meaning there is no need for repayment. There's, there, there's no need for restitution. I accept it. It's a loss. We move on. He shall not make it good. There is no payment or repayment required. There is no debt, no obligation, or no overhang of the loss here in measure. I know personally, I, if I was watching Adam's dog, and I've already used that example, so we'll continue with it. If I was watching Adam's dog and it died or got sick or got hurt or got run over in the front or escaped and we never saw it again, I would hold myself responsible. I would, I would feel like I let my neighbor down. I would, I would feel like it's my fault. I would feel like my protections were just simply not good enough. If we were to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, this man though it be hurt or die or run off or, or, or that, 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 that it be driven away, 
Part of loving our neighbor is loving ourselves and having a forgiveness toward ourselves that both parties then would say, I accept it. Both parties would. You see there, the law spiritually plays out in how they live their lives. Here, the reasonable protection also has a measure of assumed risk. Kind of like when you, when you sign up to a new gym or something and there's a waiver, you know? You, you lend somebody something. Brother Adam lends me his dog. There's an assumed risk. Now, we, I would like to think, and he would like to think, that there's a low risk, but there's still an assumed risk. At a gym, it's highly possible and even likely that doing dangerous things, one may get injured. It's possible and even likely when you're dealing with living things that a living thing will die or get hurt or be driven away, you see. Both parties then, loving their neighbor, would do well to analyze and agree upon these risks. It makes sense that if Adam... If Adam wants me to watch his dog, he makes sure that I'm capable of watching his dog, that I have reasonable measures to reasonably protect his dog. And before I say, yeah, I'll watch it, I'll make sure that on my end I have reasonable protections to watch after his dog. Both parties, both sides should, should measure those reasonable risks. In verse 12, you have an idea of, of theft. Okay, so... Somebody's holding something for someone else and it'll be stolen from him. He shall make restitution unto the owner thereof. That's stealing. A beast stolen from among their own things minimally brings suspicion. You know, if I have a hundred sheep and Adam has a hundred sheep and some sheep go missing, but only Adam's sheep go missing, that's pretty suspect, right? So at minimum, there's suspicion here. If it be stolen from him, he shall make restitution unto the owner there. What it implies is that his own was not stolen, but the neighbor's was. So if somebody has these animals, whether ox or ass or sheep or whatever, whatever beast, the person then would, would presumably be present, or at least an associate. If I'm not watching over my sheep, then someone else would have been watching over my sheep. And if someone's not, then there's carelessness. So this theft then comes back to the, to the fault of the one who was stolen from. There was carelessness exercised. So if I said, hey, look, can you house sit for me? And I give you my key and you leave the door unlocked and somebody get, comes in and steals. Yeah, the thief is responsible for that. But ultimately, the person who didn't lock the door is responsible for that as well. They should repay that, you see. Reasonable protection. It's reasonable to if you if you're in charge of someone else's stuff, it's reasonable to protect that stuff. You see, loving your neighbor means watching out for your other people's stuff, looking on not on your own things but on things of others as well. That's what we read in Philippians chapter two. In such a case, restitution or repayment for the loss is due. Again, it's a violation of Exodus chapter twenty and verse fifteen: "Thou shalt not steal." It's a violation of loving your neighbor by not preventing their loss. Verse 13, reasonable protection. If it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for a witness. Bring the animal. So if I have a sheep and it's torn in pieces, 
Let it, let it, the sheep, be brought for a witness, and he shall not make good that which was torn. Well, why, why is that? Because now we're dealing with predators. Okay, predators have come in and devoured that animal. The carcass itself bears witness that 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 predator was at hand. In open grazing, it's reasonable, or even against reasonable protections, predators come and predators they they they, they grab and, and 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 a guarantee against a predator is not possible. I suppose one of the greatest shepherds that ever lived, if you look, and we studied this through, but I want you to see it from a different perspective in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 34. 1 Samuel 17, 34. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Whose sheep did, did David keep? His father's. His father's. Were they his sheep? No, they were, he was keeping someone else's sheep. Okay, so here's a man keeping another man's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Now, David, the, the giant killer, David, the man that believed God, David, the man that God delivered this sheep out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, this, the warrior, David, even he watching another man's sheep could not prevent at all times a predator from grabbing a sheep, you see. He couldn't do it. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and, and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. What I want us to see there is it's not a 100% guarantee, even of the, be even of the best, of shepherds to prevent a predator from grabbing a sheep. So, in verse 13, when it says if it be stolen from, excuse me, verse 13, if it be torn in pieces, then let him bring it for a witness, and he shall not make good that which was torn. The lion and the bear still took the lamb. Providentially, it was spared, but the theft came against the greatest human shepherd perhaps there ever was. What do I mean by this? It, it is not possible. It is not even under the most reasonable protections. You can have the, the highest fence gates. You can have you can have a, electric fences. You can have 24-hour surveillance. You can have all the greatest updated measures, sp sp spinning all you want, and it's still possible that a predator still come in and grab something. But reasonable protection is what is is being advocated for here. Because of this. It says it should not make it good. Restitution is not required. This person who under their care, this beast was torn in pieces, they are not to be held as guilty. Okay? And they're not to be held, have guilt held upon them moving forward. It's, it's a loss. Move on. Verses 14 and 15. Is the owner present? That's the question. Is the owner present? And I, I promise you all these things will, will tie in nicely. Reasonable protections. Is the owner present? Verse 14, if a man borrow aught of his neighbor and it, and it be hurt or die, the owner thereof being not with it, he shall surely make it good. The person who is borrowing it 
If, it, if he hurts an animal or kills it or, or, or destroys it or whatever, he has to make it right. But if the owner thereof be with it, if the owner's standing right there, he shall not make it good. If it be an hired thing, it came for his hire. If it's if the bar if the, if borrowed and the owner's not present, you gotta you gotta pay him for the loss. If, if the if it's borrowed and the owner's there, then there's no need for repayment or no need for repayment of the loss. What's the difference? Well, if the owner is right there, here is the difference. The owner would be satisfied with whatever it is, would be satisfied with his use. So, Brother Adam wants me to borrow his truck, and I get it stuck real good, and I'm just flooring the gas and flooring the gas, and he's standing there, and he said, yeah, do it this way, do it this way, and then I blow out his transmission. Well, he's standing right there. He's telling me to do it. Didn't tell me not to. We're in this thing together, you see. The owner was satisfied with its use. He was satisfied. He didn't say, hey, man, you're driving my ox too hard. Cut it out. He was right there. The owner would be satisfied with its care. He wouldn't say, hey, man, you're not feeding them enough. You're not drinking them enough. You're not resting them enough. The owner would be satisfied with its condition. Oh, man, you got to care for these things more. You know, there's a saying that floats around that you know some people treat everything like it's borrowed, like it belongs to somebody else, just rough on stuff. When in fact, we should be treating things easier if it's borrowed. We ought to be treating things delicately if it belongs to someone else. But in any case, if the owner is there, then the one borrowing it does not have to make it good. Why? Again, because the owner was satisfied with its use, its care, and its condition. Otherwise, they would have said so. So the owner then is is you could say party to this crime of, of something being hurt or killed. So with all these things going on, you've got something borrowed and stolen. You've got something borrowed and then it ends up hurt, dead, hurt, or driven away. You've got something borrowed and, and, and or the, a beast that's, that's used and stolen. You've got a beast that's torn in pieces, but it's been borrowed at the first You've got something that's being borrowed and the owner's there, it's not there. What what do we do with all this? Well, think about it again spiritually. In loving the Lord and loving neighbor, it would be well for us to provide reasonable protection for our neighbor's things. If I'm watching over your stuff, whatever your stuff is, if, if if it's your house, if it's your possessions, if it's your money, if it's your car, whatever, your dog whatever, then loving God and loving my neighbor, which would be you, I would provide reasonable protection against against uh, animals that would come in and destroy, against theft, against burning down, against tearing up, against dead uh, deadness, against, against hurtness, against disappearance, against all things. I, I would make sure that everything that you have that is in my care would be that, 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 is, that is used properly, that's cared for properly, and it's in a proper condition. And loving God, I would, I would spend myself in taking care of your things. In loving God and loving my neighbor, I am not to take something from you or borrow something from you I don't know how to use. Okay. I'm, I know how to drive a manual transmission vehicle. And if you don't, it would be unwise for me to lend you one. It would be unwise for you to take possession of one. 
what could you do? You could blow up the transmission, tear out the clutch, and run yourself into a tree. It would not be loving your neighbor to use some to, to be to hold yourself responsible into something you don't know how to use. Don't take something you can't reasonably protect. You know, if if, if some like the, our dogs are inside dogs, they're not outside dogs. Some people have outside dogs, and they got outside fences for outside dogs to keep them in. Well, if somebody had an outside dog and they said, you know what, can you watch my dog? It would be, not be reasonable for me to say yes. Why? Because I'm not going to keep an outside dog inside. And if I keep an outside dog outside here, they're going to get run over by a car. I can't reasonably protect them. That would not be loving my neighbor. We must be ready to give account of our holdings of others. If you're holding something for someone else. Whether it's a dog or a cat or a car or a house or a child or a beast or money or whatever. Reasonably, reasonably protect that stuff and be ready to give account of how you hold that stuff for them. Before God and before man. Would you be able to take an oath before the Lord and before your brethren and say, I took reasonable care of this thing. And have no idea or intention or, or, or which why of how this thing died or was hurt or was driven away. If someone has taken reasonable protection and loss occurs, don't hold grudges. Right? Reasonable, uh, reasonable protection. Brother Adam has a driver's license. He knows how to drive. If I let him borrow a car and he's in an accident, well, he reasonably follows the laws and follows procedures and things happen. We should not hold grudges over one another if someone has taken reasonable protection. And in fact, the word is, the owner of it shall accept it. Yes, brother, I was using my turning signal. Yes, brother, I was going the speed limit. Yes, brother, my lights were on. Yes, brother, I was not on my phone. Yes, brother, someone just pulled out in front of me. We've got to accept that. You see? Loving God, loving your neighbor, there is built-in forgiveness there, isn't there? And accepting of those things, we're to forgive one another. If you are in, in on or an injury of a stuff, if something is injured or taken or dies, if you're there, it says in verse number 15, the, uh, the owner is there. Again, back to the truck tra uh, uh, conversation. If, if, if I get the truck stuck and I'm trying to do it and I'm throttling the gas and I blow out Adam's transmission, he's sitting right there, maybe even in the front seat, and give it more, give it more, then it would be... Now, I would, I would want to make some kind of payment because um, the role of my foot in that matter. But if you're in on something, don't, don't... By the law of God, don't expect that there be a reimbursement. That would just be a kind thing to do. But what does this say? Well, if something's not being used to your satisfaction, say something. Brother, that's not how that's supposed to be used. Brother, cut back, cut off. Get out of there. Turn it off. It's my turn to try. You see? That's the, that's the practicality of it. I'm having trouble connecting. Practicality of it. But again, spiritually, the law is spiritual. And all are guilty. If you look back at verses 7 through 9, and we're not going to reread it, but just summarizing these things, there's something that's borrowed or kept, and something is, is taken 
taken from another. And everyone, every single person is guilty of Exodus chapter 22, verses 7 through 9. How so? All attempt to steal the stuff that God owns. But what's that? What's the stuff that God owns? Ezekiel 18, all souls are mine. So if I try to steal from God that which is his, his own possession, his creation, and try to use it or misappropriate it from, from my own self, that is a sin against God. And the judge condemns. We, we read that in verse 9. They come before the judges. Whom the judges shall condemn, he shall pay double unto his neighbor. Well, before God, under the law, because we're all attempting to steal from him, we're all condemned under the law. Everyone is guilty before God of trying to steal that which is God's. It says whether it be money or stuff, whatever it is. Verse 9, for all men are trespassed, whether it be of ox or for, for sheep, for ass, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing, including and even especially my own soul. My own self. Attempt to steal, God, steal something from God. That's where, that's where the origin of the fall. Adam tried to steal from God, God's servant, and make God's servant to serve his own self. He wanted to please himself. It was theft against God, or attempted. So every single person before God, attempting to steal from God, God's possession, meaning their own selves, is guilty before God, condemned by the judge. Not one another, the judge, God Almighty. In Exodus chapter 22, verses 10 and 11, there again you see something dead, hurt, or driven away. Everyone, all of us, being sinners, when Adam sinned, what did he do? He died spiritually, didn't he? When he fell, what did he do? Well, he was hurt real bad, wasn't he? And being dead and hurt, what happened then? He was driven away out of the garden, the presence of God, wasn't he? Every single one of us, every single one of us, being God's possession, yet dead in trespasses and sins, hurt by the fall, and driven away by, from God in our own sin, we are, we're, we are guilty under this. Guilty, 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 guilty. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 12. This, speaking of being stolen, yet as though carelessly. Everyone being presently careless, careless of God's possession, presently careless of God's possession, sin against God, and restitution is due. If it be stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of. How are you going to repay God? For trying to steal from him his possession, what shall it profit you? If you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, how are you going to purchase your own soul back? There is exactly one purchase price, and that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 13. If it's torn in pieces, all of us are incapable of preventing, tearing, and ravaging effects of sin. The wages of sin is death. Where, If you look in, in the book of Romans, please, 
Book of Romans, in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. The effects of sin. I don't get that. Romans chapter 5. In verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So the tearing and the ravaging of sin, the wasting away of sin, the the cancers and the nonsense and the depression and, and everything that goes along with sin, its effects as though one that has, as a beast that has torn the sinner in pieces. And that's exactly what sin does. It tears the sinner in pieces. And none of us are capable of preventing that. Just, you know, we mentioned that even the most capable of shepherds weren't, uh, weren't capable of protecting the livestock. The most capable man of all, Adam, made in purity, was not capable of the tearing and ravaging effects that sin would have on him. And you know what it says here that the beast would bear witness? Let him bring it for a witness. The wages of sin is death. Our own bodies bear the witness that sin ravages and tears us to pieces. All are guilty. All are guilty. Verses 14 and 15 spoke of of the presence or the, the lack of presence of the owner. Well, guess what? You have never sinned and you not be there. You have been there. Everyone is present at their own hurt, at their own, at their own dying, at, at, at their own injury. Everyone is present at their own sin. Sin, sin doesn't, d- doesn't come upon you when you're not there. No, as you're, as, with you being there and you being quite okay with your use, with your care, with your condition, and with sin in general... You being there, you are guilty and you are responsible. You are responsible for the use of your own self. Do others hold account? Yes, I'm responsible how I govern in my family and I'm responsible how I pastor and I'm responsible how I work. I'm responsible for me. There is no uh, devil made me do it kind of stuff. All are responsible at our own hurt and at our own dying and sin. And it is our own fault Without excuse. You see in verse 15, if the owner thereof be with it, he shall not make it good. That owner cannot cry out foul. That owner cannot cry out treason. That owner cannot cry out, well, it's your fault. You did this to me. No, being right there present, that man would be take responsibility for his own loss. At that great white throne, that'll play out. Every man, according to his work, shall be judged. And every one of them were present when they did that thing which they did, when they thought that thing which they thought, and whatever. Everyone is guilty. Everyone is guilty. Sinner at every station, there is guilt under the law. And, and, and when Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that, 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 that the law, it was weak through the flesh... No one can complete this. No one can do well under this. All are guilty. 
They were to provide reasonable protection under the law. They were to make restitution and repayment for these breaches in the law. They, they were to love their neighbor and to love God. But before God, you can't make restitution. You, can, you can't pay God back for the loss according to your sin. You have failed in every point to provide reasonable protection for yourself. Otherwise, you'd be sinless. And there was one sinless, the Lord Jesus Christ. You were as one that, that God... Look, look in Colossians chapter 1. You belonging to God have bought, He has permitted you to borrow yourself for just a little while. You see? You are borrowing you for just a little while. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. That includes you, that includes me. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. You're, you are his. So being God's possession, in every point you have failed. You have failed. You are guilty in providing reasonable protection for yourself at every point. They would also be required to make blood sacrifices for sin under the Levitical priesthood, under the Mosaic law. And we haven't gotten to that yet, but we will. You cannot make restitution. Those offerings, those sacrifices, all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see yourself guilty in all these points? I see myself as guilty. Do you see yourself as guilty? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11 says, And every priest standeth daily ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Why did they offer them? There's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. They offered, these, they, they offered uh, sacrifices daily because they sinned daily. Yeah. Every day somebody's ox that was being taken care of by somebody else died or went missing or got hurt. Every day there was a thief. Every day there was sin. Sacrifices, sacrifices. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering. One offering, every trespass, everything that we've, we've learned under the, even just this small portion of God's word concerning reasonable protection and everyone is guilty of, spiritually guilty of it. One offering, Jesus Christ sanctified those, by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For that after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, not their minds, their hearts, spiritually. And in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Yes, they have trespassed. They have trespassed. But this offering for sin brings unto finishing perfection. Now, where remission or forgiveness of these is, there is no more offering for sin, no need for it. One cannot make restitution before God, but Jesus Christ did. Sinner, I would encourage you to see yourself guilty in every point. And don't just ask for rescue from hell, fire escape. 
but repent. Turn from your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Know that he alone can save from sin. Know that outside of him, being guilty at every point, you will be judged by this law. You will be judged. You will be judged as as a thief and as a murderer, as a liar, as an adulterer. You're guilty at every point of the law. You cannot make restitution. And you did not and cannot make reasonable protection against sin. But God Almighty can in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He saved me from my sins and saves me from my sins. We studied that in 1 John, didn't we? Read over in 1 John. Chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. What's that mean? Well, I'm still a sinner. So was John when he wrote this. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope or expectation in him, in Christ, purified himself even as he is pure. What's that mean? I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I'm going to be. I'm not what I was, and sin bothers me. Sinner, see yourself as guilty. Desire after righteousness, hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's the work of God. I encourage you to repent, knowing you are guilty before God. Repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. Child of God, thank God for his excellent mercy and grace. I trust you have seen yourself guilty under these laws. What a refreshment it is, though, at every scene, every scene, we look into God's word. I see that I'm guilty. Yet at every scene, I see the beauty and the glory and the grace and and the wonder of Jesus Christ, my Lord, who saved me from my own sin. I have uh, in the ages to come, I will see how wonderful the Lord is. Praise God. He is holy and just to save. Guilty, 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 guilty. The judge condemned me. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And I was there for it. Thank God Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Look here. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I was under the law, and I was guilty under the law. Jesus Christ, being made of a woman, made under the law, he was no sinner. But he was made under the law. He was sinless under the law. And because he is sinless under the law, and because of his death, burial, and resurrection, I have been adopted unto the family of God. And because you're sons, adoption of sons, and because you're sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24 and verse 44. 
And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. What was written in the law of Moses? That sinners required a sacrifice? Could they have just any old sacrifice? Spotless, without blemish, of the first year? Couldn't have the sick or the wounded or nothing like that. No, it had to be pure, didn't it? So in the law of Moses, it declared the sinfulness of man. It declared the righteousness of God under the law. He declared his death, burial, and resurrection. When, when that priest went from that death scene to the brazen altar to the labor, then into the holiest of all, that showed forth as Jesus Christ, as high priest, living and making intercession for his people before God. The law. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 15. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are he was tempted to borrow he's tempted to, uh, to, uh, to to lose to break to maim to steal to uh, he, he was tempted to sin At every point he was tempted to sin yet without sin child of God rehearse it often how you cannot make restitution before God with your goodness and your greatness and your love or whatever. Jesus Christ the righteous fulfilled the law. Tempted in all points, yet without sin, the perfect Lamb of God, He is He that washed away our sins with His precious blood. In our thankfulness, being spiritual, we ought to walk in the Spirit. We read that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 4. We ought to walk in the Spirit. We ought to desire to fulfill the righteousness of the law in Christ by walking in the Spirit. We ought to love the Lord and love one another. We ought to provide reasonable protections for our, for our neighbor and their things. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfilling that second great command, love your neighbor as yourself. He made, was made like unto his brethren. Amen. And loving his own self and loving God, he loved his neighbor who were sinners and wretched and, and enemies out of the way. That is love. And in his love toward his neighbor, it, was, it wasn't just an equal. It was blessing, right? Blessing yeah. in the ages to come. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 2. Notice, notice how that he loved his neighbor. This, this, is how, this is how Jesus Christ loved his neighbor. Ephesians chapter 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Well, that's loving your neighbor, isn't it? Glory to God in the highest. Peace and goodwill toward men on earth. Children of God, let this mind be in that was also in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul wrote to the Philippians. We, that was the next verse that we didn't read out of the book of Philippians chapter 2. 
being spiritual, we have to desire after. We have a desire to follow after the Lord, to trust the Lord, to love the Lord with everything we have, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to provide reasonable protections. And even provide reasonable protection, having this hope, and as we purify ourselves, even as we are pure, we had a desire to protect God's item, even our own selves, walking after the Spirit. I can't protect me from sin, but trusting in God, I can walk in the Spirit, following after Christ, which is protecting that which is His. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. Provide reasonable protection. And in all, seek the Lord, child of God. In all things, in all things. These practical items, you might not have thought of that. Well, we're not supposed to think of stuff. We're supposed to seek the Lord in His Word. And He tells us plainly how we're supposed to behave. Provide reasonable protection. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.